Hi, you're listening to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively brings insights from the Indian space activities ecosystem. I'm your host Narayan, the co-founder of India's first space-focused think tank, Spaceport Sarabhai. Guests on the New Space India podcast help you understand space activities related macro and micro trends within India in all aspects including space history, local industry, space science, technology evolution, law and policy, art and more. The New Space India podcast is supported by Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing businesses and people with collaborative virtual environments to enable sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups, small and medium scale enterprises and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellites. Hi and uh, welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast. Uh, today we have uh, Rajat here who is the CEO of the Space Machines company. So Rajat, um, you know you are here in India for the Bangalore Space Expo as a part of the 40 member Australian space delegation which is I guess uh, probably the largest ever for the BSX by any country so far. Um so I think uh, I hope that the week has been productive so far. and uh, you've been you know doing well and you've had good collaborations that are going on so before you know we get into the details of uh, what went well for you in this week uh, let's get a little bit of your own background and you know how you started the space machines company sure well thanks for having me on the podcast um a bit of background i trained um i grew up in delhi um i did my high schooling in delhi and i moved to australia to do university i trained as an aerospace engineer but in the late 90s and early 2000s there were not really any space jobs around um at least in australia and so i spent about 17 18 years uh in startups and software companies like microsoft um did still have my passion for space so you know we i was part of a google x prize team out of australia it didn't last for too long but you know we 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 made an effort and so when um we saw uh, what was happening with uh, SpaceX and the launch innovation that was happening in the last 7-8 years you know the spark came back to me and um my co-founder George and I one one day um we were having a conversation about um and the cliche is that we uh, I was watching Star Trek and you know I saw in space manufacturing assembly and we said hey you know we should build a space factory of some sort you know that spits out satellites and very quickly we realized that to do anything in space you you got to be able to move around you got to be mobile and so um when we looked around what logistics had done on you know on earth with you know roads and rails and um aircrafts and um ships um our view was that space was going to follow the same paradigm you know step one is you lower the access of long distance costs which is what the launchers were doing and then you create a hub and a spoke model so you then have last mile connectivity that starts to reduce the cost of connecting the different points um and different destinations so and that was sort of the birth of space machines company that was early 2019 um and so we've been we've been going since um January 2019 officially uh yeah and and you know this week's been wonderful because um with the delegation we got to see what india's been doing and how the ecosystem's matured 
Um, I still remember as a kid, um, India going through the whole cryogenic acquisition process and how ISRO did an amazing job of building that sovereign capability over 15 years. And in Australia, we're just starting to do that. So I think there's a lot to be learned from India. Right, right. So from uh, you know what you're saying, uh, I guess you stand with an advantage of being in two different countries and uh, you know getting the best of uh, both of them before you probably started this venture in in space and i'm sure that your background in other kind of you know other industries has uh, helped you significantly as such so uh, so you briefly touched upon what you want to do with the space machines company so but then what is the actual product or service that you are creating sure look when when we when we when we looked at what kind of solution would be required to complement the first mile that the launches were solving. Uh, we looked around for people providing those solutions and we looked at different approaches in market. You know, you know, you had some companies looking at new forms of propulsion, in-space propulsion to power um, you know, vehicles that would support that last mile connectivity. You had um, some companies looking at existing you know, satellite dispensers and using them to enforce them to become um, you know, OTVs or orbital transfer vehicles to do the last mile. Um, we went back to the drawing board and we we put a lens of customer. Um, and when we started thinking about the customer, we thought about how does it work on the ground? And we looked at UPS and TNT and DHLs of the world. And, you know, what customers, you know, the vision was the customers should not have to worry about which launcher. They shouldn't have to worry about which you know, how that launcher will get it to where it needs to go and what, what backend infrastructure is required. All the customers really care about is that they have some certainty on how their satellite will be in the right orbit, ready for them to start generating revenue. And for that, um, we then use that as a way to build our architecture. So, you know, the key differentiators um, from our perspective, that our platform, which is called Optimus, is that we focus on multi-launch capability, um, so we want to support maximum number of launches out there. We focus on high energy missions. So we focus on high delta V. Um, Optimus supports 3.5 kilometers per second delta V. Um, so we want to really do those, you know, high energy consuming missions. Um, and and I, we want to be able to support multiple geographies. And so uh, coming back to the Australia-India partnership, I think um, there's a lot of focus in Europe for European companies. There's a lot of focus in um, U.S. with regulations around ITAR and EAR and the rest of it. We found that it's a really interesting partnership between Australia and India and almost a superpower in our view, where we could leverage that to um, provide our platform for these last mile services, both into Europe and into the U.S. Right. And what size of uh, satellites and you know, what kind of orbits are we talking about? So uh, the platform itself is about 300 kilos. Uh, we, the first version of it, and we support up to 500 kilo in payload. Um, and um, the 3.5 kilometers per second delta V that we set was around for a 200 kilo payload. Um, so we want to support Leo to Leo um, transfers. So inclination plane changes, um, ran plane, um, you know, altitude raises from Leo to higher Leo orbits or Leo to Mio but also eventually Leo to Geo transfers. 
Right. Uh, and, you know, you started out in Australia and I know actually very many bright number of Australians who have actually left the country before probably the space agency was born and, uh, you know, have uh, pursued their careers. Even I think Enrico was in Virgin for like 15 years or so on, right? So before yeah. coming to Australia. So uh, what is the motivation of uh, starting out in Australia? Was it because the timing was right uh, when you started the space machines company that you would get uh, the kind of support that you need or... Was that the primary motivation? Uh, look, absolutely. Uh, the the timing was a critical factor. I think if we had started the company maybe a few years earlier, we would have probably not started in Australia. I think when we started the company, the agency was about a year old. Um, there was a lot of enthusiasm and passion for building the space industry. A number of state and federal programs were coming online to support space companies and talent acquisition. And so I think it, it came down to timing. Um, I think there's also an increased sense of space becoming a contested domain. So there's a lot of investments being made by government. And so I think with that interest, with also, um, you know, students and uh, talent coming out of the university, there, there was a good supply of engineers wanting to do space. And, um, and so, so from my perspective, yes, absolutely timing. So, you know, given that uh, you operate in uh, both the countries now, India and in uh, Australia, I'm sure that uh, you have a reading of the places uh, from both the standpoint of a space agency and a support, uh, you know, structure around the space agencies, as well as uh, from uh, availability of, uh, you know, manpower or infrastructure sure. and talent and all of these things, right? So can you give a reading into you know, how would you compare the two countries and, you know, where would you think that uh, each country would probably can improve or from learn from each other uh, or what they do best in both places? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. Uh, so I think with India, you know, very long heritage, very mature space industry. Um, ISRO has done an amazing job of, um, you know, both R&D and launch, launch part of things and building satellites and I think they're starting to now understand how to promote commercial um, space and support the private industry that's emerging. So I think the challenge is going to be, you know, I think I think there's been an inertia for very long uh, on on ISRO doing certain things and certain entities and organizations doing things, and the disruption that will come with new private entities and how do you find that right balance of continuing to do what's been done whilst also supporting a burgeoning emerging commercial ecosystem, both from a technology development, but also technology development, testing and qualification support, infrastructural support, and then policy and regulation. So I think that's, that's a challenge. Um, I think for Australia, it's flipped where, you know, we don't have a lot of legacy. Um, and so we have the luxury of seeing things that have not worked. Um, and learning. In fact, um, I think it was really, really good to be at BSX and see the way, you know, um, projects around the country in India have applied certain things and learned from that um, to our advantage um, and, and not, you know, in some cases have learnings on what not to do and what to do. Um, I think the challenges for Australia is building that baseline infrastructure to support a space industry, which India has, you know, that's facilities, that's talent, that's a pipeline of people coming through who understand space and have worked on rail missions. So I think, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges. And that's why I see there's a really good 
um, I guess, harmony in some of our motivations to work together. Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely in that sense, right? So when I see, I think, a place like Australia, you also see like almost great talent and at the fundamental level, uh, at the scientific level, I think it's very, very strong. But I think in India, you have uh, a lot more like applied engineers, you know, people who are technologists uh, uh, there. And I guess the science related, if you go hunt for, I don't know, chemists for propulsion, that would be difficult here in India versus, uh, I guess, in Australia for that matter. Um I recently saw that you guys inaugurated the Bangalore office. Uh, so congratulations uh, on that. And uh, firstly, you know, what was the motivation of selecting uh, Bangalore as a city? And, you know, secondly, what do you intend to do here in Bangalore? No, thank you for that. Um, look, I think um, we Bangalore was a natural choice for us, given it's a home of ISRO and IST and uh, a bunch of other space related and within a very small perimeter, I think there's some great centers for technology development within Bangalore. Um, and so I think that's why we chose Bangalore. Um, I think we are at the moment doing a lot of our R&D, um, a lot of our early TRL, one through to six. Um, and we're hoping to start doing with the MOU with the non technologies, we want to start doing that sort of full TRL one to eight um, in in India, and so I think our our ultimate vision is for the Indian office to become a commercial node for PSLV, SSLV, and GSLV customers. Um, and very similar, we don't necessarily want our customers who want to fly on PSLV have to go to Australia and then come back to India for integration. We we actually want to do the integrate final integration of customers going on PSLV here, um, and so part of it is being able to. Uh, supply vehicles that are ready to be integrated into those larger launch vehicles. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess uh, given that uh, you have capacity coming up, probably also not just with the PSLV, but also SSLV, probably Skyroad, probably Agnicool, uh, and so on. So that also gives, uh, hopefully, if they are reliable, other options for you as well. Absolutely. And look, I think we want to work with as many launches out there because at the end of the day, it's about supporting all of the customers out there, right? Um, the more launches we have, the bigger manifest we create across globally, the better services we can offer to customers. So what are your current uh, timelines? Like, you know, obviously what you are doing is uh, really complicated. It's uh, almost as if you are building a satellite that will deliver rockets. Uh, so that will deliver satellites. Right. So it's a satellite that will deliver satellites into certain uh, orbits at the end. And uh, that should be definitely complicated uh, at the end. So uh, what is the you know path forward to Heritage? Is it a, a smaller OTV that uh, demonstrates the baseline technology uh, with some, you know, uh, propulsion algorithms that are tested and and then, you know, throws some payloads and then a bigger one? Or how does it go? Uh, at the moment, we've got two missions manifested. First one is with um, Gilmore Space. Um, they're building a hybrid rocket out of uh, Australia. We've got a scaled model on their first flight, uh, which is testing some of our structural and other subsystems um, as part of that and some control and communications. Uh, we have a, a full-scaled vehicle planned to fly on Transporter 8 in April of 23. Um, so we're actually very busy building that vehicle, which is a full-scale model. So it's, 
it's going to be uh, full capability. We're not carrying as much fuel, uh, but in, in terms of the entirety of function, it's there. Uh, we have five customers on it. So we're, we're flying a hyperspectral camera, a situational awareness package, uh, onboard processing. We're testing some um, flexible solar panels on that flight. And so we've got a diversity and also a robotic arm. So, you know, we've got some really diverse customers on that first flight. Uh, and that's in April 23. Um, and I think there's a subsequent flight planned for December and January of 24, December 23 and January 24. Right. Yeah. I mean, good luck with uh, with all of these. I think it'll be really exciting to see all of these go ahead. Um, so you were here at uh, the Bangalore Space Expo and it was a pretty busy week. Um, I mean, can you briefly touch upon all the MOUs and, you know, all of the collaborations that you established? I know that there was quite a few of them and, you know, what you see happening with all of them. Yeah, look, uh, I mean, we, we did an MOA with uh, another technologies, uh, which is memorandum of an agreement. And um, that was really around collaborating with, uh, with them and their flight heritage um, on how we start to build subsystems and missions together, um, uh, primarily on Indian launch vehicles. Um, so starting to set a baseline of that framework. I know there were some other companies around uh, everything from onboard processing um, companies from Australia working with Indian companies to Spaceport and um, launchers, Skyroot did an MOU. So I think it's a really diverse uh, set of downstream and upstream applications um, across the MOU. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that's that's been really useful. I also think that it was really useful to be able to interact with um, InSpace and ISRO and, and NSIL and really understand the strategy they have. Um, and it was great to see, uh, you know, a lot of support and encouragement from InSpace and Dr. Goenka on the companies in Australia and India working together. Yeah, on that point, uh, you know, you have seen, uh, you know, significant uh, favorable structures and mechanisms coming out of Australia that has uh, supported your growth so far. Um, is there any pointers that you may want to give to the Indian policymakers, you know, uh, that can, you know, further give any, you know, catalysis to a lot of these companies here locally that you would then uh, recommend they follow based on the Australian experience here? Yeah, look, uh, um, the at the end of the day, you know, when you look at space or any any sort of forward-looking technology, um, you you know, it's it's been, and especially if it's infrastructure, it's, it's required a lot of leaning in from government, right? Um, promoting private companies to slowly get up and running because just with the magnitude of capital investment that's required, a great example of that is, you know, back in the eighties, you had DARPAnet and, you know, government leaning in on establishing the infrastructure for the internet. So I think from my perspective, um, you know, a robust um, grants program. So small companies can start to work on interesting problems and start to get those initial TRL levels so be in a position to start demoing it and be able to access private capital, right? Um, and complement their government, um, you know, procurement slash grants programs with, with private capital. I think that's a really big part of it. The other thing I think, which is really useful, and I think India is doing a lot of that as well, is tax incentives and various incentives on the corporate side that help space companies as part of the policy. 
Um, you know, um, one of the biggest costs for any space company is launch costs. Um, so I think really starting to create mechanisms by which you can reduce the cost of um, getting heritage and flight heritage. Um, and I think some of a couple of states in Australia have done a great job of starting to provide incentives for companies so they can get a cheaper access to space. Right. And, you know, you are looking at uh, a team here in Bangalore. And uh, I know that uh, Piyush is also probably looking at actively hiring people uh, for the Bangalore office here. Uh, is there any reading of, uh, you know, the kind of people that you are uh, looking to hire on on also the quality of them? Uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, one of the key aspects of hiring, I guess, is uh, is quality, right? So And the fit to the timing. And you don't want to invest in a lot of training of these people and you want them to be, you know, get going on day one. Uh, so what is your reading of the talent uh, available here in India? Is it, uh, you know, on the get-go, they're ready to fire for you? Or is there, a, is there a starting period where you have to invest some significant amount of uh, resources, either, you know, training them uh, with your counterparts and their counterparts in Australia or so on? Or, you know, are they, are they pretty good enough to just get going from the day one? Yeah, uh, it's a very, very good question. Um, so just as a background, we've got 10 uh, engineers in, in the team in Bangalore already. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's a mix. I think it's a mix of um, bringing in people that have um, a lot of space experience, which I think is um, we can find in India because there's been multiple missions and, you know, uh, people with a lot of experience worked on space missions. I think for us, the key thing, though, is um, um, culture, right? I think we focus a lot on culture. Um, you know, we want builders, uh, people who are willing to hand, get be hands-on engineers. And so I think uh, the transition from old space to new space has been about not so much knowledge acquisition, but more about how to build. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, some for some people, it comes naturally because they're, they're just builders. So I think where we've had to do some work has been around, uh, you know, mixing talent so that we can get people who are really good at um, the technology areas to start to become builders. Um, because at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, once you, you know, once you can do the entire uh, design, build, test loop, um, you get, you know, you feel empowered and you feel passionate. So I think for us, you know, you know, we're space machinists, we're practical, we're builders. That's where that's 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 the culture we think works and wins. Right. So what is the eventual uh, team sizes are you are looking at in both Australia and India when you have the full service uh, up? Yeah, look, I think um, at the moment we're targeting uh, 25 to 30 people in India um, and um, a similar complement in Australia. Um, and sort of focused um, in India, really focused on vertically integrating some of our uh, technology, uh, plus also supporting commercial operations. Um, and in Australia, really looking at assembly and integration and testing. Right. Yeah, that's uh, really terrific. I hope that uh, many more Australian companies, you know, follow your path and uh, uh, look to, you know, use also India as one of the destinations that they would uh, take advantage of. I think it's pretty unique because I actually don't know any new space company uh, that is operating uh, in the model that the space machines company is operating at the moment. Yeah, look, I, absolutely. I think, 
I think for me, Australian Indian uh, values are very similar, right? Um, you know, um, for different reasons, um, uh, engineers here and engineers in Australia and talent have gone through adversity. And, and so we think about innovation very similarly. So I think there is a big, uh, we also think about moving fast. Um, and so there's a lot of, lot of uh, resonance in terms of the way we think about things and think about the world. And so I think not just, you know, our cultural values, but our technology values are very similar. So I think, you know, we made that decision very early on and it has a lot to do with my background as well. So, so I think, you know, um, we hope that this is something that we can leverage globally as a superpower. Right. And, uh, you know, Australia has been significantly growing as a space economy, you know, since the creation of the space agency. And I see a lot of interesting, uh, you know, infrastructure being funded, technology, uh, you know, development being funded and so on. So this is the time I think everybody is investing uh, the money to create the foundations. Uh, but then, you know, it takes time for these investments to then uh, mature into having the foundation built to people to have, uh, you know, everything to then go on top of it, right? So uh, so where do you see the Australian ecosystem uh, going from where it is today in about, you know, three to five years uh, in time? Because that's a reasonable amount of time to say that people have either achieved flight heritage or, you know, they have the capacity to deliver some level of volume or so on. So, uh, I mean, in terms of, uh, let's say, satellites, uh, launchers, OTV missions, where do you see all of this going? Yeah, no, great question again. I think Australia has had a natural, um, um, I guess, tilt towards downstream applications. So I think that's going to continue to grow. I think communications, downstream application of space data, so space situational awareness, I think those areas will continue to grow exponentially. Um, I think where I'm really hoping that in the next three to five years, I believe that we will have a sovereign capability launch vehicle. Um, you know, we're really looking, looking forward to working with Gilmore on their first launch and co co consequent launches. We also think that there'll be more investments in um, up, upstream, you know, upstream hardware. You know, we believe that uh, the OTV market is going to be, you know, it's a great equalizer uh, for Australia where, you know, you know, companies across both Europe and U.S. are still trying to work out, um, get, get their uh, performance and reliability in place and so we're we're pretty on track so you know i i hope in the next three to five years you know otvs become something that you know australia does super well so maybe one last final question before i uh, let you go uh, what kind of people are you look now still looking to hire in uh, in india because i guess uh, for the audience it may be something interesting because uh, then i guess they may either apply to you guys or you may find some good people who are probably listening into this show yeah. Okay. As far as um, uh, you know, areas we're looking for structural, thermal, electrical engineers. Um, we're looking for mission ops engineers. Um, but I think at the you know, besides all that, we're looking for really passionate builders. You know, people who want to learn fast and you know learn new things. Because at the end of the day, you know, once you have the passion, once you want to get hands on, you can pretty much learn anything. So I think more than anything, we're looking for what we call machinists which are, you know, these, you know, builders who you know, want to do great things. And so I think if you're electrical, mechanical, uh, mechatronics, uh, or, you know, orbital physics, you know, orbital dynamics person, you know, reach out to us. So Raj, uh, you know, congratulations on uh, getting this far. 
and uh, and then you know getting uh, the timing right getting so many things right and uh, and then you know i have to again uh, thank you almost on part of the new space community in india in uh, having uh, an r and d center here in uh, bangalore that also works with your office in uh, and engineers in australia i think this will probably serve as an inspiration to probably a few others uh, and then i guess they will probably learn from this to to leverage uh, such presence in in different countries to then build on this model in the in the space sector good luck with everything that you are doing with the space machines company and uh, you know i hope to catch up with you in a year or two to again probably record another podcast to see you know where things have gone and uh, and so on so thank you so much for spending the time with me today in recording this thank you so much for having me thank you for listening in to this episode of the new space india podcast if you enjoyed this conversation please share this episode with anyone you believe will enjoy listening to it you'll be able to find the new space india podcast in any of the podcasting platforms that you may be using including apple google spotify youtube and others do subscribe to the podcast in case you want to receive new episodes automatically i'm grateful if you're able to leave a rating for the podcast which will help others discover it thank you for listening in again and the next episode will be out in the next 2 weeks as usual